0: Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. I get to say that uh, this week. Uh, I had to delay the start of this series, but uh, here we are now, and I'm going to start this series we're going to call Fix It, uh, kind of modeled after the idea of home renovations, but we're going to talk about some things that, uh, some quick changes uh, not necessarily quick, some quick mindset changes that then take you a lifetime to implement, um, but if we're going to Take this month, look at a few mindset changes that you can make to, to renovate your life, because I believe that, that God does that, that, that God can, no matter what you bring to him, if you um, hand over portions of your life to God and, and are submissive to him and his word, he'll transform it, no matter how far you may have strayed or, or where you are right now. I've seen it in my own life and in the lives of others. So, so we're going to look at a few of those um, mindsets this month, uh, each weekend. Uh, so to get this series started, um, let me talk you th- with you a little bit about some recent marital tension in the Poindexter House. Um, nothing if I'm not transparent. So um, uh, we have a, a, a nice basement, a rec room, whatever you want to call it, a finished basement, and a big bathroom in this finished basement. And uh, it represented the last room in the house with wallpaper. And I liked the wallpaper. It had a, like an antique nautical theme. Uh, I was the only one in my house that, that liked it. Uh, and so my wife, Kelly, said to me in early fall, uh, you know what I think the winter project should be this year is taking care of that wallpaper. Let's tear it down and paint it. And and fix it up, renovate that room. That's our winter project. And I said, all right, I like the wallpaper. I know I'm the only one, and you know I know it's like you know the last wallpaper project we have in this house. Uh, so that sounds like a good winter project because you know the winter in northeastern Ohio, there's not a lot to do, and it, perfect time for a wallpaper project in the winter. And a couple days later, she went downstairs in autumn, the fall, before the holidays, and started tearing down wallpaper. And I said, wow, you're tearing down wallpaper, thus activating the launch sequence for this winter project. And yet, it's not even late autumn yet. So, anyway, um, whomever put that wallpaper up, if they ever come to Polaris, they will be denied communion. (laughs) Like, it, it... it turned to sludge. It took, like, I, like I thought it was going to be an inconvenient afternoon project, and it took a week to get that wallpaper down because it just turned to sludge, ruined the walls, it was terrible in that winter-autumn project. But once it was finished, I thought, Okay. I'm glad that my amazing, beautiful wife went down in the autumn and started that, because once she started it, we had to get it finished, and once it was finished, it was better, and we were thrilled that that we had done the work, and and so I just with with that visual in mind, um, that's kind of what this series is: is we're going to look at some things that 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 are like like the 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 the, um, the themes this month can sting a little bit, but I hope that you have the courage, because there's nothing like if you get a new home. Once you rip that wallpaper or look behind that first sheet of drywall, you're pretty much all in. You don't know what you're going to find, and you've got to, you know, the project has begun, and so I hope that you'll actually take a look at some of these themes and look at your life and say, okay, God, what, what do we need to work on? So the first theme that we're going to deal with is, is a very difficult one, and that's, the idea is, is going um, uh, from to for, from to for, meaning that there's a mindset change that you're going to make if you follow Jesus, that Jesus is going to call you to make. And that is moving uh, from the idea of what can I get from people or from the situation and into a life of what can I do for people or for the situation. Moving from from to four, and if you you know that can be a big scary leap. That can be pretty convicting if you look at your life and say, "Oh, I you know, I'm I'm probably more inclined to decide what's in it for me." Um, so you're gonna make that move to just the realization, oh, I got to do better there." But then if you're like me, it becomes a daily process. Um, Because I generally, I mean, I talk all the time about like my only child syndrome of it's all for me. Like I have to almost daily remind myself, nope, Alex, you know, not, it's not about what can I get from or what this world has to offer me. It's, it's from uh, to, to, to for, I need to be for others and, and, and help and things. So, so it's a one-time mindset change that then becomes a, a process that you're going to have to loop around back to because if you're like most human beings, um, a lot of us struggle with, with like approaching most things of what can I get from this. Um, okay, so I'm going to read to you from what I think is the scariest chapter of the Bible. Uh, the chapter starts with some vague imagery and Jesus is going to use three stories and each story is going to get a little more clear as to what Jesus is talking about. So this is Matthew 25. I'm going to let you go read the first story sometime this week and I'm going to start with the second story and I'm just going to take a couple a couple chunks out of the second story. Um, Jesus is talking about the moment. And this is what makes it so real. Jesus is talking about the moment when we stand before God to give an account for our life. Okay, so this is kind of about getting life right where it matters most, when it matters most. Okay, so here we go. We start in verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey. That's the God figure in the story. God goes on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, later in the chapter, Jesus says this. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. The master is, is, has come back, and he's giving, everybody's giving an account for what he gave them. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I did not, have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with bankers. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. The one who has ten bags was the guy with five who doubled his master's money. For whoever has has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what does it mean to be given a bag of gold... And what does it mean to be expected to have a return? Like, that's kind of left open, and we're going to see with this next story um, what exactly Jesus is talking about here and how we can apply it specifically to our life. But What I want you to see is that, that um, in the story, there's this individual who's given a certain um, um, uh, bag of gold, resources, whatever it is that God expects from him, that the master expects. He's given this. And to protect himself and his own well being, he buries it. He's afraid um, of, of misusing it. He's afraid of whatever it is he's afraid of. The idea is he puts his own well being and comfort first and does nothing productive with what has been given to him. So it's judgment day and he's in trouble with the master. Because he's done nothing with what has been given to him. Because he's afraid or he's seeking his own comfort and well-being. Now we're going to move to the next story here. And this is going to give more of a descriptive look. So again, what Jesus does with these three stories in Matthew 25 is he goes from kind of vague to a little bit clear to very clear as to what it means to invest or, or um, use the, the, the resources that God has given you. Uh, okay, so, so here we go. This is, this is um, I'm going to start in verse 42. <coughs> Jesus paints the picture, this is the third story, he paints the picture of people being separated out and here's what he says to one group. He says, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and thirsty, a stranger needing clothes, sick in prison, and not help you when? And he will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, for someone in need, you did not do for me. So when we connect these stories together, we see Jesus pretty clearly saying that um, God entrusts us with certain resources. Things we can do well, energy, passion, money, whatever it is. And some people are going to go through life clinging and thinking first and foremost about their own well-being. And there's another flow to life that says, how can I help people? What can I do for people? So you see that? See that big mindset difference there that, that some people are asking either what can I get from people or from life or how can I protect myself and my family? But what really matters in Matthew 25 when we stand before God is that we make that mind. Like it's a pretty big life renovation, right? What matters is that we make that mindset change and begin to ask, what can I do for? How can I help? How can I use what God has given me to help others. So I don't want to get overly dramatic. I mean, I said that, you know, Matthew 25 is the scariest chapter in the Bible, and I think I mean that. But for me, this is, this is one of the most unnerving concepts in the Bible. I, I don't like it. I don't like the concept of, of, of a mindset shift, of a life overhaul. I'm not very good at it. The idea of now it's not about me and my comfort. It's not about what I can get from a situation. It's not about me. It's, it's more what can I do for and, and how can I help in, in learning to live. Because I'm going to give you a couple examples from the life of Jesus here. And if you say you follow Jesus, well, like we have to. If I say I follow Jesus and I do... I say that, so I have to get really good at this, so let's take a look at um, the Jesus example. This is from the Apostle Paul in Philippians. This is the mindset, this is the example for us if we say we follow Jesus. This This is a powerful teaching from Scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I mean, that right there could keep you busy for a lifetime, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or kind of vanity. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of of the others, not looking, go through life without looking for your own interests. Wow. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. (coughs) Paul says that's your model. He was in heaven as the powerful God of the universe with all the benefits and luxuries therein. And he did not consider that something worth holding on to compared to doing the saving work of becoming a human, subjecting himself to this world, subjecting himself to rejection, subjecting himself to death on a cross. Paul says, that's your model. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about our rights, it's not about our preferences. It's about the needs of others. And the example we need to follow, and Jesus followed it to the degree of leaving heaven, coming to earth, subjecting himself to all this, and dying on the cross. He didn't hold on to anything. He gave it all up to help somebody. Talk about going from, like, from what can I get from this to four, what can I do for this, like, that's the model. Now he says it a different way. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Apply that to every corner of your life in 2022. I have been crucified with Christ. And this doesn't mean, like, get walked on. It doesn't mean go through life getting taken advantage of. You don't have to apply it to that degree. But this idea of, of... How can I win? What can I get from something? What can I get from them? What can I get from the situation? I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. Christ now lives in me. And I got one more example here. And this is is the ultimate. This is from the book of John. And he's going to give us... uh, how Jesus applied this to the full. Okay, the the wording in here is incredible. This is like Jesus' last moments with his followers before his crucifixion, and John writes this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things under his power. And then he had come from God and was returning to God. So, let me stop there for a minute, not that you can't read up behind me. <coughs> Where's our mind jump? Jesus is being surrounded. Roman troops are, are on the move. His followers are like, they're a mess. He's happened to, you know, correct lovingly, and people aren't getting it, and... It says, Jesus knew that he was the all-powerful God of the universe. And if we were in our own mind writing this story, it's so he got up and took care of business, right? He fixed it all. He did whatever. He showed who's boss, but here's what happens. He knew that he was the all-powerful God of the universe. So after the meal, he took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist... And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Knowing he was God, all-powerful, all-authority, God of the universe, he then naturally asked, what can I do for people? How can I serve... and and i don 't you know i don 't know what an ancient foot looked like pre sock and you know marrow hiking boot, but it couldn't have been pretty after a day walking on dirty rocky roads and he got up, knowing that the world was his literally, <coughs> and he washed the feet of his disciples, and he did that as our example so if you say you follow jesus and yet your mindset is what can i get from this and and how can i win in this situation and uh, we're off (laughs) and i think it's interesting that like when i think about religion think about the word religion And what you associate with the word religion. This is why I personally just don't have much use for the word. Because the idea of if you say he's religious or she's religious. Usually means that they go to church a lot. And they maybe cuss a little bit less. And they don't tell dirty jokes. And they don't watch rated R movies. And maybe they have a certain kind of piety. But notice you can do all that without any of of Matthew 25 language. You can do all that without any servanthood. Like I don't think Jesus came to start a religion to make people religious. It seems to me Jesus came to bring about to usher us into a different kind of lifestyle of serving and loving and, and, and meeting real needs. So don't get hung up. You know I don't know where you are, what your ideas about church, but don't get hung up on religion and being religious. Now obviously you know purity and all that is 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 good and important. But Jesus said ultimately when we stand before God, there's a, there's a servanthood kind of mindset that he's looking for. Okay, let's talk application. Um, I have some, some questions for us to ask ourselves throughout the week as we begin to analyze our mindset and, and maybe make some changes from from to for. So here's three specific questions or points of application. The first is, start to ask, who can I serve? It's my least favorite question in the world. Who can I serve? You go into, you know, think about... um, going into any given situation and uh... and asking who can I serve? now my issue personally I can often disappear from a situation and it's not that I don't want to do anything it's not that I'm lazy I don't think I don't want anything from anybody I'm not asking what can I get from people I just you know I wish to be left alone a lot of the time. It's not that I want anything from you. I just don't necessarily want to do anything for you. That's your pastor talking. Um, I just like to be kind of by myself. So I don't think it's a selfish place that I come from. Like there's some people that approach a situation. What can I get from this? How can I win? That's not my deal. My deal is just I want to be left alone a lot of the time. But regardless of where place you're coming from, you may have to ask yourself, who can I serve so that you can continually make progress on this mindset that Jesus wants us to have? So you, you think about that when it comes to what does it mean for your marriage? And what would a marriage look like when, when, when rather than focusing on our own needs, we're saying, my spouse needs this, so I'm going to set my needs aside and serve them, whatever that may look like. Or, or you go into the workplace, and you got your, your coworkers, your competitors, you've got your, your boss or your employees, people you manage, and you're asking, what can I do to serve? Who can I help? How can I help? It's not about how I can get ahead. How can I help them get ahead? Or your neighbors or your families or whatever. So, so that's the first thing is just regularly ask yourself, Who can I serve or what can I serve in this situation? Second question is, how can I use my abilities? We all have gifts and talents that God has given us. The money bag thing is not just about money. It's about talents and gifts. And so we're asking ourselves, um, how can I use my abilities to do something for people right now? So the the phrase that I like to say is, you can't do something about everything, but you have to do something about something. And so you ask yourself, what am I using my abilities to do something for others without any benefit to myself or my family? I'm just using what God has given me to help other people in need. What am I doing with my abilities for God right now? So it's who can I serve? What am I doing with my abilities? And finally, start to ask, how can I pass along my growth? How can I pass along the growth that God is doing in my life? And you may be nothing more than here. Like you may say, I'm I'm on the first rung of the ladder. You got nothing going for you spiritually except the fact that you're here right now. Well, then you're asking, okay, I got here. That's a step who in my life is where I was when I wasn't here that I could bring along to being here at church on Sunday? And then whatever it is that God's doing in your life, you say, hey, I think God is is doing, you're on the lookout for people who are where you were, and you're saying, I don't have much to give, but I have some growth, and I need to be using that for them, not just benefiting from that. You see that mindset there? If it's not just about me, Learning to grow, oh, I'm just new at this, I can't do anything yet. No, you are somewhere which represents a a, a a a growth benchmark, a rung of the ladder, and God is looking for you not to just benefit from that, don't benefit from the work that other people have done in your life. You are going to now use that for people and help other people get to where you are, even if it's just the church on Sunday morning because you're just on the first rung of the ladder. So those are the three questions. That's your takeaway. Who can I serve? How can I use my abilities? And how can I pass along this growth in my life? All right. So we have, I think, have we got one more song? Or am I praying to end this? I can't remember. We got one more song. Yeah, okay. I didn't see Marcus and I thought maybe, maybe that song got canceled and I didn't know it. Um, during the song, and this is, a, this is like stand and sing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to stand and sing, and this is an oldie, um, but it's a great song that uh, sort of symbolizes this idea of surrender, because that's what we're really doing. We're surrendering when we make the shift from from to for, and and maybe this is just a good moment for you to reflect on some of those questions and this mindset, to think about uh, where you are and to declare to yourself and to Jesus, you know what? I'm surrendering my own pursuits. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Jesus now lives in me, which means I'm going to be symbolically washing feet for a long time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving me and loving us and loving the world enough to set aside all of your privileges in heaven, all that it could have meant to be God, Setting that aside to come for us and serve us and love us and die for us to save us. And I pray that we would go and respond by doing the same. In Jesus' name, amen.